8, get that in your left hand. In your right hand, you can get Matthew chapter 25. And today we are continuing our study about helping the poor and how to approach this tricky topic. As you know, we're doing a series on tricky topics that apply to the church. And I will say that this particular topic much of what we're studying not only applies to how would a church approach the topic of helping the poor, but also how you would approach it personally, right? So I think a lot of this is going to overlap. There are a few things today we'll probably get to that pertain strictly to a church that wouldn't apply to an individual, but most of this will work both ways. Uh, we're looking first at Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 27, and this is just, again, to get a, ru- a running start at the topic We looked at it last week, or at least I read it to you. He that giveth unto the poor shall not lack, but he that hideth his eyes shall have many a curse. Now, I I give you that verse to start with just to reinforce how important it is that we do not ignore this topic. The Bible says, and here's the mandate for us as a church and for us as individuals, that we consider the cause of the poor. What we cannot do is err on either side. We can't go to one extreme or the other to say, I will help every single person. I won't ask any questions. I'll just give. That's not the right approach. And you can go so far the other way that you get hard-hearted and say, I'm not even going to look. I don't care what's going on. That's their problem, not mine. And, and now you're hard-hearted. And that, that's two extremes we don't want to be at. We need to be in the middle somewhere. And there's a fairly large middle ground to this. That's what makes it so tricky. So Matthew chapter 25, what we, uh, we got halfway through this lesson last week, and I believe we might finish today, but if we don't, that's okay. We started to look at a few reasons why people are poor. Because once you determine what made them poor, or why they are still poor, why they're struggling with poverty, then you can better determine how to help them, right? I gave you the example of a mechanic, you know, replacing the motor for free, but the the person driving the car doesn't understand to put oil in the motor. You're just going to keep putting motors in there. You're wasting your time. So you need to determine and consider why are they poor. So we looked at one example of the prodigal son. He wasted his substance. The Bible says no man gave unto him. And the next verse says he came to himself. I showed you some verses in Proverbs about people living above their means, outside of their budget, that indulgent lifestyle. And when a person is a glutton or a drunkard, that is, they're eating, drinking, just enjoying all the nice things of life way too much, and they become poor on that account, they need to buy some wisdom. The answer is not to give more to them. They're just going to eat it or drink it. So here's another cause for poverty Matthew 25, and I think you're familiar with verse 1 on down to about verse 13. There's a parable Jesus gives of the ten virgins. Remember this parable? And five are wise, five are foolish. Let's begin reading at verse 3. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Now, here we have actually a great definition between, uh, for wisdom 
right? And a comparison with foolishness. Wisdom is being able to look ahead. It's being able to think ahead, make a plan, consider the end before you get there. God said it like this in Deuteronomy chapter 32. He said, oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. So part of wisdom is knowing what to be afraid of, what not to be afraid of, what to plan for, and thinking ahead. The foolish says, we're here right now. Let's just enjoy it. We'll deal with the consequences later. So the foolish spend the oil and don't take any with them. So you know what happens. Verse 5, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. So they get the fire going. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Why, have, why has their lamps gone out? They already used up all the oil that they had. They did not plan for the future. And this was foolish, right? It's not as if this was an unexpected event. We couldn't have known that the wedding, you know, the bridegroom was going to come. How could we have known that? They did know that. They knew that there was a wedding coming. They should have saved some oil. So because they were foolish, didn't make a plan, now they're begging, give us of your oil. Here's the answer, verse six, uh, 9, I'm sorry, verse 9. But the wise answered saying, not so. What's the answer to their request? Give us some oil. No. The answer is no. G- give us of the oil. Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So, yalla muta plan mak. Right? They say, bur mak a plan. Well, these bura didn't mak a plan. <laughs> and they say, now you're going to mak a plan because if we give to you, we're not going to have enough. Now, do you see how balanced the Bible's approach to this is? You're allowed to consider the bills you need to pay and how you're going to provide for your own household And if by giving to them, you're not going to have any way to pay your own bills, feed your own family, then it's perfectly okay to say, no, I'm sorry, I I can't help. Especially when it is their fault, right? So verse number 10, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. And you know how this parable ends. The, The foolish get condemned, Now, if you're one of the foolish and you didn't make a plan, what do we do? Well, learn to make plans. He says, go rather, verse 9, the answer is go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. You're just going to have to make another plan. So sometimes that's the answer. How do we deal with people that aren't very good at planning? Help them make plans. Teach them how to, listen, you, you failed on this side. Let's look for another plan. You have missed your opportunity this time around. Now, in this case, that was it, right? I mean, now we're talking about going into the kingdom, but when we're talking about this world's goods, maybe you teach them to make plans. So that's, that's something to consider when somebody comes to you. Now, as, as it pertains to poor planning, I, I feel like I need to say a little bit more on this because those that make a plan and save up and follow biblical precedents for you know, keeping some money for the future, 
I have found this to be a big challenge here in Africa. And I'm speaking specifically about African culture. Because whether it's Malawi, I've seen it in Zambia, I've seen it here in South Africa. And and guys, this is not just my observation. I'm talking people within African culture telling me, asking me, Pastor, how do we deal with this? Because they are wise. They've gone to school, let's say. They've worked hard. They have a business. They're saving money. And then within African culture, what often happens is because our relative is doing well, everybody comes to him and says, borrow me some money. The proper English is lend me some money, but they say, borrow me some money. (laughs) And, And it's always, what happens is that other relative didn't make a plan. And if you say no to him, you're the bad guy. And you get ostracized and you get, I almost want to say persecuted to an extent. Who do you think you are? You're not loving us. You're not helping us. You're being wise. So I want you to see that, that this is a part of wisdom. Sometimes what is going to help that family member the most is to say, listen, I'm sorry. I know within our culture I'm supposed to reach out and help, but I don't think it's right to let people take advantage of you. They end up becoming what we know as a mooch. Do you guys know that word, a mooch? A mooch is is like a a parasite or a leech that just sucks you dry. They're not going to do any work. They're just going to let you do the work, and then they enjoy the blessings of your labor. And this story and many others in the Bible would tell us the best thing to do is to say no in such cases. Now, Proverbs chapter 6, let's turn to that. And I really encu- I want to encourage you to stick with this series of, of verses and lessons because whether we finish today or next week, I'm going through several individual cases right now. At the end, I'm going to try to give you some advice on how you might approach all of these. But Proverbs 6 and verse 26, the Bible says here, For by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. And the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. Very rarely will the adulteress go, go chasing after some poor bumelart optistrat. I mean, she's not going to go for that because what is she going to get out of that? She's going to hunt down the precious life, the guy who has something to offer and suck him dry. But it says, by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread So here's another reason that some people fall into financial difficulties is because they spent an ill-advised night with a woman. And it only takes one. I'm not talking about you spent too much on the date. (laughs) I'm not talking about you took her to a restaurant you couldn't afford. I'm talking about you had one night where you just ignored all common sense and all biblical precepts about lust. You ignored all that and now there's a child involved or a disease involved, and it is going to hinder you in many ways, but especially financially. And so many people do not think about all the possible consequences of this particular sin. There's the old saying, you know, sin will take you farther than you want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. And sin will cost you more than you want to pay. And in this particular case, you sire a child with a strange woman. This is a woman that you don't know, a woman you didn't take time to get to know, 
and now you got this child. That, that is your financial responsibility for the rest of your days. And I don't know if you're aware of it, but moms and dads in the room, children are expensive. Can, can I get an amen right there? <laughs> They're probably more expensive than you thought, right? Right? A few, di- few diapers, a little bit of feed, feeding, you know, a little bit of baby bottle. No, 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 no. There's so, so, so much, so much more money, right, than, than you possibly could have planned. Look at Proverbs 5. Proverbs chapter 5. And I say this just to kind of paint a general picture, but you guys know this happens all the time. A man has this night with a woman, and then the woman falls pregnant, and then the man falls out of the picture. Right? She falls pregnant, he falls out of the picture. And now that poor lady, now listen, she's also, let's say, guilty in this situation, right? I mean, it takes two to tango. But the man runs off. And here this poor lady is stuck, for lack of a better term, with this situation. Now she might immediately regret the decision she made the night before, but now she's fallen pregnant. And now the man runs off and she is stuck trying to, let's say, finish her education, get a job, take care of the child. And other men then look at this and go, Yo, that's too much baggage. I don't want to get involved. And people back away. And she ends up paying for that one momentary lapse of judgment for the rest of her life. And the child suffers as well. So question, is it fair to penalize her for the rest of her life and say, listen, this is your fault. You made a mistake. Now you got to live with it. Do you see how this gets tricky? Yes, it was a mistake. And yes, it will bring you to poverty. But does that mean we back away and go, shame on you. It was your fault. We're not going to help. I don't think you can go that far with it. You might need to consider more factors. Mistake, yes, she learned. Now maybe we can gather around her as a family, right, as a church family, and, and provide what is missing in that home. Right? That, that poor lady may not have that man to help her out. Maybe the church can pitch in and get her through some tough times. You see how we, we have to factor in more than just, hey, you made a mistake. Now, on this subject, Proverbs 5, and I don't mean to linger, but, well, it's one of those subjects that comes up often in life. So, Proverbs 5, verse 8. Remove thy way far from her. Come not nigh the door of her house. So we're again talking about the young man who's tempted to to spend time with the strange woman, the whorish woman. Don't go near. Verse 9, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel. You don't know her that well. She's talking nice to you now, but deep down she's a very mean, cruel person. Verse 10, amen, young young guys, amen. 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 Remove thy way far from her. I've told you before, flee fornication, right? Run, sucker, run. Just get out of there. Verse 10, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. How how does this work? You had one night with her. Now there's a child involved or some other factors involved. She's gone on with life and married somebody else, but you still owe alimony or child support and now you're working for a child you don't even get to see see how this goes so Solomon is giving you some wisdom here to stay away from 
that situation. Verse 11, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Now we're bringing disease and lack of nutrition. You can't feed yourself properly. Verse 12, and say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof? You had advice, you ignored it. Verse 13, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Exclamation point. Uh, let, me, let me give you the, the physical illustration. The young man is now going, Yutta. <laughs> Why didn't I listen? That's what he's saying. Verse thir- uh, 13, no, no, 14. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. Oh, if you could let that sink in for a moment. That young man went to church. It's not as if he was running with a bunch of rebels and made these mistakes. He was in the congregation, the assembly, the chumienta. He was there, and he wasn't listening to what the preacher and his parents and his, you know, the, the, the counselors around him, he ignored that, went off and had a bad night. While he was part of that church, if I can use the term loosely, right? Old Testament, but still... There was the assembly. Now, what's the advice? Verse 15, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Get married and enjoy your wife, not some other woman. That's the illustration. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad. Have a lot of children and rivers of waters in the streets. Let them be only thine own and not strangers with thee. So have as many kids as you want to have, as God will allow you to have, but let them be just the children from you and your wife, not from strange women and other, ma- other occasions. Now, I'll let you finish the passage later, but you get the point. There's, there's a way to fix this. There's a way to avoid this. And in this case, especially avoidance is the best uh, approach. And that is get married, then enjoy things within the marriage, then the kids, and then it can be managed. You start doing it outside of marriage, and oh my goodness, the headaches that come with that. All right, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 28 again. Proverbs chapter 28. So we're looking at things that cause poverty, and these are all things you need to consider whenever you are trying to help somebody. And remember, when you're helping somebody, the first thing you want to do is hear the story. Let them tell their story, and then you can make an informed decision. All right, Proverbs 28, verse 20. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. See that? A faithful man. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. This is a general observation, but a very solid one. This is the guy who believes in the get-rich-quick scheme. Now, it's not just the guy who signs up for the pyramid scheme, you know, and if you just sell these two subscriptions, then it'll multiply and it'll all trickle down. I'm not, you know, it's not the guy who answers the emails from Nigeria that says, if you just, you know, write back, then everything, you know, send this email to 10 other people and you're going to be, but it's not just that, okay? Although, come on. (laughs) If you've never met the prince of Nigeria, I seriously doubt he's going to write to you and and say, please help me with my bank account. So so don't fall for that. But this guy who, who is making haste to be rich, he will cut 
any corner. He will do anything. And it's not just, I'm lazy, I don't want to do the work, so I'll go for the scheme, right? Because that's a much faster way. Now, that is part of the problem. But this is the guy who, rather than going through the proper steps, rather than getting the education, working hard, sweat of the brow, all of that, there's a corner I can cut. So let me just give the money under the table. Let me lie about this guy. Let me cheat a little here. Let me embezzle a little there. That's the guy. Now it says he won't be innocent. He's going to be guilty of a lot of crimes. Look at verse 22. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye. In the Bible, the evil eye is greed. His eye is not single. Jesus said if your eye is single, you're full of light. But if your eye is evil, your body is full of darkness. And the light that is in you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Why? Because one eye is on God, the other eye is on the money, and you're going to use God to get the money. So he said, if you think that by speaking good about God, he's going to give you money, the light that's in you has now become dark. You have corrupted it with this greed. That's the evil eye. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not that, what? Poverty shall come upon him. If you are willing to lie, cheat, steal, kill, gossip, corruption under the table and get your money through lazy, slothful, corrupt means, that's probably how you're going to lose it too. Because if that's how you got it, I don't think it's an incredible thing to believe that God would allow somebody else to take it from you by such means. Furthermore, if you were so lazy that you didn't work to get it, there's a good chance you're not going to be very diligent about how you hang on to it. You're not going to be very wise about how you spend it. So in many ways, right, it's a character issue. Poverty is going to come because you don't really have a proper appreciation for money. So let me um, give you a couple thoughts on this. Come to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Uh, we read there in Proverbs, he, he will not be innocent. The guy who <clears throat> hastes, he hastes to be rich, he will not be innocent. Get 1 Timothy 6, verse number 9. This isn't just a workplace thing. This happens in churches, by the way, all the time as well. And, and I just, I'm saying this to be fair about it, but I think you guys know that this exists. There are a lot of people that get into the ministry because they see it as an easy paycheck, right? It, from what they see, it's a, it's a one hour a week job. Get up, one lesson, done, take up an offering, you know, and then off you go. And there's, you know, they get into all sorts of lies and different, I mean, that's cheating from a different angle, but it's still, greed can affect anybody. So people will still lie, cheat, defraud, kill, slander, prostitute their bodies. All sorts of things just to make a quick buck. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. They will be overcome by it. They get drowned in it. Do you see that? Because once you go down that path, it just snowballs. And at first, you're in charge of how things are going. And then it just overtakes you. 
you can't keep track of all the lies and all the false documents you've submitted. It just, it, it'll destroy you. Notice in verse 9, it's not rich people that he's talking to. They that will be rich. So this could be either side of it. This could be the poor guy who wants money or the rich guy who wants more money. Either way. And I think you're familiar. I've already quoted the verses in Matthew 6. No man can serve two masters. He'll love the one, hate the other, hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. All right, so come back now to Proverbs chapter 28. Forgive me, I should have had you hold that. Proverbs chapter 28. All right, so for this guy, the one who is hasty to become rich, would it make any sense to hand him a bucket of cash? Right? If, if he has already gone through four or five get-rich-quick schemes, and now he comes to you and goes, Yo, Booty, I am struggling so much. Yo, my, my finances are so tight. I'm struggling to pay the bill. They're going to take my car, and they might take my house. And, you know, but I got this great plan, this great investment plan. Man, I'm telling you, this is the one. The other 72 things I tried, eh, not so, but this is the one. Please do not give him money. <laughs> Send him to prayer meeting. <laughs> At, at the least, right? Proverbs chapter 28. Oh, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Proverbs 28, verse 19. Proverbs 28, 19. All right, the Bible says here, he that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread. You know, that's one thing about being a hard worker. And again, I say this generally. I'm, I know that there are exceptions to this rule, but it's been my personal experience that a hard worker usually doesn't wait too long to find a, a job. A hard worker will find work, and work will often find him. If, he, if a person wants to work, there are people out there willing to employ such a person. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after vain persons shall have poverty enough. Vain persons. So here's the next category. This guy's poor because he walks with the wrong crowd. He has bad friends. The friends that he keeps are lazy or corrupt or they're also get rich quick or whatever the case is, right? But because he's following after vain persons, they're interested just in the pleasures of life. They have no interest at all in working Right? That's the first half of the verse. Be careful the friends you choose because it will rub off on you. Right? Evil communications corrupts good manners. 1 Corinthians 15. Or a nice way to say it, birds of a feather flock together. You hang around with lazy people, sure enough, that's going to rub off on you. Furthermore, if I'm the boss and I'm considering you for a job, I am going to look for recommendations. I'm going to call a few people and, you know, what do you know about this guy? I am going to take into consideration who you hang out with. And if you're a part of such and such a crowd and they're known for being lazy and slothful, I'm going to have to factor that in. Look at Proverbs chapter 1 as it pertains to having bad friends and that rubbing off on you. It's not just laziness, right? That is part of it, but you're going to see how the bad friends, it links to laziness. We're going to look at a verse on that now. And it also links to poor planning. It links to get rich quick. 
Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. If they say, Come with us, let us lay wait for blood, let us lurk privately for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as the grave and whole as those that go down into the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. What are they promising? Man, this, this is the big score. Do this one job with us and we're going to have it made. We'll never have to work again a day in our lives. Verse 14, cast in thy lot among us. Let us all have one purse. You understand what they're saying? Say, man, we know this rich guy, you know, and he's got lots of stuff. There's a few holes in his security system. Just throw in your money with us. Let's pool our resources, buy the necessary tools. We can break into his house. We can get everything he has, and we're set. Verse 15, my son, walk not thou in the way with them. Refrain thy foot from their path, for their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Now watch verse 17. Surely in vain the net is spread in the sight of any bird. You guys understand that, that parable there? That proverb? If a bird were to land right here, and then I said, hey, there's a bird. I want to catch the bird. Mr. Bird, just stay right there. I'm going to set something up here. All right, Mr. Bird, don't worry. This is, don't worry. You have nothing to worry about, Mr. Bird. Don't worry. Look at this. And I set up a trap right in front of the bird. How long is that bird going to sit there staring at the trap? He's not going to look at it for long. You guys know birds, right? You don't catch birds by saying, Mr. Bird, just stay right there. I'm going to set a trap right in front of you, and then you're just going to walk into it. That's not how you catch birds. You've got to be more sneaky than that, right? Now, Solomon is telling his son, Son, don't you see the trap that your friends are setting for you? They're talking about, come with us. Let, we got this great plan. We're going to make all this money. We're going to hurt just one guy. He has enough anyway. Don't worry about it. His family's going to be fine. Well, let's take all he has. Don't you see they're setting a trap for you? Can't you see the bad advice in that? The real trap is verse 14. Cast in thy lot among us, let us all have one purse. They're just trying to get your money, booty. They're saying put all your money in with our money, and then you're going to be the fall guy. The patsy, as they say. They're going to blame this whole thing. on. Don't you see they're setting a trap for you? And if a trap is set in the sight of any bird, the bird would fly away. So, Booty, run away. Don't fall for this. And it goes back to verse 10. If sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Be real careful when your friends say, but yeah, if you were really our friends, you would, what? Casting your entire life savings to their horrible plan? You might need to run. Verse 18, and they lay wait for their own blood. They lurk privately for their own lives. They're destroying themselves. So are the ways of everyone that is greedy of gain, which taketh away the life of the owners thereof. So this plan that sounds fun and good in the, in the now, it's going to cost you everything. So think about it, man. Don't, don't fall for that, that trap. All right, now this will link to the next one. Proverbs chapter 24. <clears throat> Now, as it, pertains, <clears throat> sorry, as it pertains to people with uh, bad friends, and that's why they keep making bad financial decisions, somebody comes and says, man, I'm having a rough time, and 
You know, I want to change my life, want to get things going in the right direction. Can you please help? You might need to give them the advice, stop hanging out with those bad friends. Because if I help you with a little money, your friends are going to take a cut and they're going to advise you to use it poorly and you're going to end up in the same problem. So if you really want to turn things around, I'd love to help you, but you need to break away from that bad company so that you stop making bad decisions. Do you see how to best minister to that guy? Because many times, right, they say misery loves company. As soon as they fall into those financial problems, they start doing things they normally wouldn't do, and all of a sudden they start having new friends that do the same things. They need to break away from that. That's, that's the first help they need. Uh, Proverbs chapter 24, and I think this is as far as we'll get this morning. Next week we're going to look at some, some poverty-stricken people that you should help. We're going to talk about widows. We're going to talk about orphans. We're going to talk about strangers. And, and biblically, the word is strangers. You guys would know it as xenophobia, right? What do we do with the Zimbabweans and the Malawians and the people from the, you know, the Congolese, the Nigerians? How do we help them? Because there's a lot of them here that, amen, don't look at me strange. You know they're here. They probably work in the garden. You know that. How, and you're, I'm, I'm not going to report them to the, to the home affair. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about him and how to help that kind of thing. So th there's another side to this. It's not all they've made a mistake and now put them out, okay? There, there's another side to this story. Uh, Proverbs 24, let's get verse 30. Here's another reason people are uh, poor. Verse 30 says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. You see that? What do we do with the cause of the poor? We consider it. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. I'll just take a short nap. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want, that is your lack, thy want as an armed man. Those bills pile up and they begin to fight against you. That's the idea here. What happened? This guy was lazy. Now, th this, I, I, we've already talked about it a little bit with, you know, the, the bad company. You know that this guy, if he's not willing to do the work, the worst thing you can do is pay him for doing no work. He comes and, please help me, please help me. But he's not, and have you ever noticed the guy who holds the sign says, we'll work for food, then you offer him a job? And he says, nah, I'll wait for the next guy who just give me the food. Maybe you've never experienced that, but I have. Now, now some of them are genuine, right? I'm, I'm not trying to say blanket statement, they're all lying. But a lot of them hold the sign because that'll get you to stop. Will work for food. It looks better than, I have no intention of working, give me food anyway. <laughs> I don't think that sign would get anybody to pull over, right? Look at Proverbs 6. Proverbs 6, verse 6. <clears throat> Proverbs 6 and 6. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, 
provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Now, there's a couple really good lessons in there. Number one, the ant worked hard. Number two, the ant made a plan. The ant saved up for six months from now. See, so you see, we, are, we learned that at the beginning. The, the wise makes a plan for the future, and the wise person will work hard to provide for the future. Verse 9, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. Guys, don't get the wrong idea. There's nothing wrong with sleeping. I'm not condemning you if you take a nap, right? If you've earned it. When the Bible says little sleep, little slumber, little folding of the hands, this is the guy who's already slept 12 hours. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Get out of bed, you lazy boomer, and go get a job. Right? That's, that's who this is talking to. Verse 11, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. So the New Testament version of this is in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. Now, when we come along this guy, Give me, give me food, give me money. And we give it to him, but he's lazy and he's not willing to work. What are we doing? We are reinforcing his bad behavior. And then we're actually making it more difficult for him to learn these biblical principles. If you hear the whole story, it will help you be able to give a, a good answer to that. Say, so listen, tell me, have you been looking for work? I actually did it a couple weeks ago with somebody. I, they came around asking for help, and I said, oh, tell, tell me your story. I heard the story, and I said, so we were on the bill at the time. I said, so have you been asking these shop owners for work? And the guy said, no, nah, not really. I said, so you've just been waiting for people to walk by and give you stuff. I said, no. Nah. He had assumed that nobody would give him work. Now, you got to at least try. Right? So I wasn't hard on him. I actually did help him a little bit. But I helped him, I think, more by giving him the advice that you need to be looking for work and not expecting me and some other people to just give you something all the time. You know what happened? Yesterday, I got a message from a shop owner in the built saying, this guy said he talked to you and he sounds very eager to work and I'm interested to maybe give him a job. Would you mind vouching for him? He took the advice. Now, see, I'm willing to take another step down the path with somebody who's trying to do it right. But the worst thing I could do is just give him money because he asked. Let's hear the story and then see if we can help him with more than just money. Amen. All right, so folks, let's stand. That's as far as we'll get today. I hope this has helped. And next week, by the grace of God, we'll talk about how we can help some very sad situations. Father, thank you this morning for the wisdom you've given us from your book. And uh, Lord, as you've been teaching us this morning how to help those around us, might we also learn a few lessons on how to better manage our own money and to appreciate it properly. And we thank you for how you've provided for us. And Lord, give us strength so that we can work hard for that money and uh, use it wisely when it does come our way. We ask you bless the service to come and our fellowship now. In Jesus' name, amen.